drink all this orange juice before it goes bad. It's already <laughs> technically expired, but it tastes fine. This is the risk that I'm taking as someone who's holistic about their nutrition. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Here. <laughs> it's like the ultimate thing. I love it. Okay, ready? Mm hmm. Brian. Kathy. Guess what? What's up, Kathy? Someone's living underneath my house. Kathy, I think that if there's someone underneath your house, then we should probably do something about it. I'm pretty spooked out. Do you think we should make a television show about it? I hope no one's beaten us to it. I think we should probably make a reality television show about the person that's living under your house. What if I'm going crazy? I told then that's what the show. No one believes. Then that's what the show will be about. <laughs> that's the risk you run in a reality television show. I'm sorry, Kathy. You can become the show. Okay. What if I told everyone? It was a ghost. Oh, well, then we would call uh, ghost hunters. But no one would think I was crazy. No, then they would think you're cool. <laughs> so actually, it might work out better to call ghost hunters. Okay, what if I think it's a raccoon? Then we call animal wranglers on Animal Planet. Bottom line, if there's anyone ever doing anything other than, uh, I don't know, you gotta do some gardening. No, if it's gardening, we're calling like garden rescue on. <laughs> Basically, I wanna wedge a reality a giant show. Gator. We're calling the Gator Dads. Two uh, extremely cool men in very small shorts on a gator. What if it's the fog? You know, like M Night, M Night's Fog. Who then do I call that? We're calling meteorologists the weathermen. We're calling. I can't. I can't. That's we're that. calling Doctor Death himself. The uh, oh, I call in Jim Storm Cantori. The X Men. But that's not even a real person. Damn. No, you really do call Jim Cantori if you're in Florida. So for everyone who doesn't know, on the outside of Florida, I'll mention this within 20 seconds here, um, there is a man on the Weather Channel that we have all long since uh, learned to hate because he is where the Weather Channel's best minds send ahead of time where they believe that the, all the action will be going down. So if Dr. Death, a double PhD in weather meteorology bullshit and also television presenter, shows up in your town and you see him with your eyes as we have before, before they actually go live, just know that the eye is headed to where you are 
and you're actually getting information before they share it. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy, but yeah, people really do call him that here, and uh, uh, we've had the pleasure of having him visit our town twice, and correctly at that. So, not great. That's so guess... real life spooky. Ha ha! Yeah, it's the spooky it season. A... <laughs> Much scarier well, than John Carpenter's beautiful Halloween theme. Haunting, haunting and beautiful theme. Haunting and yeah. beautiful. Yes, yeah. I'm thinking about oh. a young Michael Myers creeping up to in first person, which is quite a revolutionary. I don't know how much uh, first person creeping and sneaking there was before that shot was thrown into cinema. Um, but I, I love that movie. It's a great, if you ever wanted to watch the hollow, if you haven't seen Halloween mm -hmm. and you want to watch an 88 mm -hmm. minute movie, that will spook and scare. Oh my um, gosh. It, it does the thing where also like the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, there's kind of, it's just kind of teens doing the teen thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that established mm -hmm. that as well. You spend 20, 30 minutes mm -hmm. like teens doing teens and then mm -hmm. you get to the actual mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. Sets the pace. It's so scary. It is. I was intensely scared by it as a kid, especially like when Laura is like running away and you have her legs getting grabbed and stuff. I hated that. Well, everyone, I think it's probably where the, a lot of the origins of like your legs getting grabbed as a fear is like a, mm -hmm. that movie kind of defines it. Yeah. So I think what I love most about spooky season is mm -hmm. that it also coincides with it like getting cold. Yeah. It's a whole time of year. It's a whole. Yeah. Like vibe. the candles come out and got to have a fireplace ready maybe yeah we're depending on where you live and depending how uh paganistic your uh rituals are you may be mm -hmm. uh celebrating the uh the dying eve of the year itself and so it is in 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 uh flavor to celebrate the dying of many other people fictional and otherwise yeah, and maybe you just like candy maybe just like candy and if you just like candy then this is an episode for you as well because this is a candy episode gosh but it's gonna be spooky or so spooky be, be, be but i mean there's gonna be candy because of course you know the, the 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 two sweetest toasts on earth are here however <laughs> we will be discussing some pretty spooky stuff and yeah. play, pay, playing some pretty spooky clips yeah so. I, I have quite a feeling that i will be spooked out i'm ready to be to be completely spooked. spooked out and i am ready to be frogged out um, oh my god Oh, Brian, I have to tell you about, yeah, Kathy, frogging. Tell, oh, my God. Kathy, tell me, we are going to take a, a couple seconds here to refocus on, um, although we were talking about baseball, and we agree that baseball is reality television. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about reality television and a new stone that you have turned over for us to take a look in, and you're not liking the stone, what you see. You're not liking <laughs> what's under the it. stone or the stone. Yeah, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. And it, it turns at all, out so. what's under the stone is a little man in a frog costume, I think. Is yeah. that is that what I'm getting here? Yeah, no, it's uh <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing uh you know when Mario <laughs> puts on the frog suit in Super Mario three mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. and he's this cute little adorable jumpy frog. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah. that, that's what I kind of imagine. It's not what it's like, but that's what I imagine. Yeah, you can anyway, swim so and very freeing spooky season but yes spooky so season. in our in our in our household we love to entertain ourselves with spooky spooky things especially in the spooky season spooky movies uh 
uh, spooky horror tales, scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. Uh, silly, funny, avant-garde, classic, campy, stupid, name it. We kind of are like, yeah, let's give it a shot, you know? Because yeah. it's just kind of the joy of the, the, the Halloween spirit. And uh, so as a result, I said, well, what are some of the spookier like reality or crime like it's all pretty spooky i think there's got to be like super spooky ones and yeah as i was like browsing i i i came across the uh frogging series that is on hulu and you and i have talked about yeah, it we've before mentioned it. It, we've mentioned it and i hadn't seen it no me either and i had heard about it and said i want to see it and then just got and then now so as you can see yeah, I, can I'm I comment on episode? Yeah. real quick, just on the title? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the title is funny to me. Not funny. Maybe not. the it, Something funny about the title, I will say. <laughs> you said it? It's called Frogging with a PH, which I understand is like fishing, frogging. I get that totally. Okay, so we're... But the subtitle, Hider in My House. The subtitle alone scares me. <laughs> I'm feeling like... There's a hider. It's not just someone hiding in my house. They're like a hider. That's their. That's what they're down for. They're into hiding a lot, and they're really good at it. And I'm cursed with a really good hider. That's right. Okay. That is correct, Brian. Okay. So, All right. Um. So some of these stories hmm. um are uh. uh take place because <laughs> someone they're all bad is being stalked let's say oh. by someone they know let's okay. say an ex-lover or something of that sort mm, that has an extra um, layer yeah in some cases it's a complete stranger oh okay. um who has maybe developed an obsession with this person but is otherwise sane i guess other oh. than this obsession i'm starting to get a flavor then, for why this is on lifetime okay and then in some cases some of these are complete strangers who are experiencing some kind of psychotic break so they're doing this because uh maybe not exactly for survival reasons right they're not just like i needed a place to sleep tonight they're doing it because uh uh some other mental illness is driving them to exist in some other plane of reality in all of these episodes that I've seen so far, uh, the format of the show is the same. Um, it is uh, about like a 45-hour-long episode, mm-hmm. and it's like split into two chunks. How much story like our one, show. act one, story two, act two, mm-hmm. then it ends. And so you kind of go through this pretty bizarre roller coaster ride of everything that's happening. Because in one, it's like, oh, someone's being stalked by their ex. And then another one, it's like, oh, it's some weirdo who wanted to butcher you and your family. Hmm. Interesting. So I wanted to give you just a taste for them. Um, I thought we could start by just watching. Um, I don't know which one was the most terrifying one. And I don't know if we should start with that one. Okay. Um, okay. I'd like I'm to know maybe on a scale of 
one to four, how terrifying do you want it to be with four being like, I'm glad this is in daylight? Let's start with a... Th with one, like, oh, that ain't... Let's start with a... What, Note you... that they are still pretty scary. Let's start with correct. like a two. Hider in my house. You are also muted. I don't know. If oh you know shit! That. Are you are <gasps> you serious? Was I muted the whole? I wasn't really saying anything. I was just kind of well. The, everyone here could still hear me, and I was just kind of making like ad libs back at you. So it's okay. I didn't notice you were muted until I looked up and asked if you wanted to pick one. <laughs> like, or maybe maybe there's one it's here. Okay. I wasn't really saying whose anything. Whose description? Uh, so what we can I will also say, watch a different one because uh, I feel like no, I uh, was I'm... I was just saying along. So what you didn't hear me saying was that I think that this is actually a great idea. I think we start with maybe a two. I have four. Okay. You said you you said a spookiness meter. You, well, how about this? In the world of creative storytelling, do you start with like the spookier thing first and follow it up with like a, a, a funnier thing, or do you start off with like the funny thing and work up to the spookier, more serious thing? I work up to the spookier. Then that's personally. What we, then that's what we do. Okay, so I'm gonna go to episode three, um, part two of the story. Okay. Um. And uh, in part three, I'm sorry, in this part. Um, the secret roommate. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's college kids and no one gets hurt. Okay. In 2013, I, I am a senior like at Ohio State studying computer science and engineering. I was looking forward to graduating and starting my career after school. I'm thinking it's going to be a good year. Fred is my roommate, and I've known him for four years. Most of us, we all know each other through engineering. We all are in the same dorm together. We lived next door to our friends, and there were about eight of us. And on top of that, there were two more that wanted to get in on living with us. So we started looking for larger places to live. We ended up finding a place on 13th Avenue in Columbus, Ohio, that appeared to be like an old fraternity house of some kind. And it had enough bedrooms to accommodate all of us. You look at the house and it looks like a typical campus house. It's a little deceiving because how deep it goes, you wouldn't know how large it is from the front. It's not until you walk around all the way to the back that you start to realize uh, how large this house really is. You go in through the back entrance up a steel stairway and into the back of the house hallway on the second floor where there are six bedrooms, three on the left, three on the right. It's just a long wooden floor hallway. And as you keep going on the wall facing you, there is a bathroom if you were to make a left, there is the laundry area where there's a washing machine and a dryer. If you make a right, you go into the kitchen where we all share common space for the refrigerator and the oven and the stove and a little bit of storage for food. And there was also a basement. Nobody was living on the first floor when we moved in and that was the case for about a month or so. So that first morning we wake up and we walk into the kitchen. Every single cabinet is open. 
Every single door that someone had access to was open. The fridge, the washing machine, the oven, the dishwasher, everything. My initial thought is that it could be Brett uh, sleepwalking. I have a history of sleepwalking. I have been known to get up in the middle of the night and just go to the fridge and open that and leave it open to move things around in the house. When we lived I have an explanation for that, but we'll get to that later. And, uh, you would see him kind of just walking around or something strange would happen, like he would go into the fridge and, and rearrange things or leave doors open, and that's ex exactly what we were dealing with. Because of that, they just assumed that it was me that was the one that had opened all the cabinets. I turn to Brett and I say... They're bad Brett, friends. Been sleepwalking. Brett denies... Uh, that he could have possibly done this, but I was convinced that it was him, even though he told me that he didn't, uh, because it seemed to be the only logical solution to uh, what happen. People who don't believe There's their no friends or loved ones the one is a to common thing here. And they live together. Like, these are people that probably know each I've other closer than average, you know, like that while Craigslist people. Initially, the thought did cross our mind that there's a ghost in our house. Well, I mean, it, it, okay. Well, it's, it seems like <laughs> ghosts before like, trusting your friend. Okay. Have strange current. Okay, so I'm gonna pause it because I think it's worth saying. Okay. <laughs> there is this one woman who gets interviewed, and she says, "When I told my landlord, they told me it was a raccoon, and I believed it because I wanted to believe it." Oh. She was very self-aware, right? And later on in her story, she said, I called up my brother, who was the only other person who had a spare key to my apartment, or space, or whatever, wherever she was living, called her brother and said, you need to stop coming over and eating all my food and leaving all of this mess when I'm not at work. If you want to do it, go right ahead. And her brother's like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. I don't go over there. I only use your spare key when you ask me like, to go feed the dog in an emergency and shit like that. He's like, otherwise, I really don't go over there. And she's like, yeah, right, whatever, bro. And then in her modern self, and she's recalling this, she says, into the camera, she says, I was so deep in denial about what was actually happening. She's like, that I insisted my brother was lying to me about the most ridiculous thing on earth. Of course he wasn't driving an hour and a half to eat my ramen or something like that. Yeah. And she was like, but I, she was like, but the, like the, the, like facing the reality of what was happening was even more terrifying. No, there, I, yeah, yeah, no, I, um. When I didn't know the sounds that this house made for a while, like when there's a, a palm tree in the exterior of the home, when the wind blows enough, it'll bump into the house. It'll sound like someone's like pounding on like an exterior wall or something. That took me a long time to figure out exactly like what that was because it only happened in certain situations and stuff like that. But it sounded like at the time the someone was like in the attic, which of course there's not even enough space to really crawl around in the attic so much. So like I figured that it was always weird but in the back of my mind you know when i first moved in the house i was like well great there's a you know what, one what is it 
a one percent possibility that this is like a thing or something but then you go up in the attic and you look around nothing's there and you're fine in this case (laughs) just like that in your house the possibility that it was a ghost occurred pretty immediately okay i think we (laughs) yeah no keep going keep going you're right serious or not you know a lot of us are engineers who believe in science we're like ghosts aren't really real so initially me and brett didn't believe that there was a ghost in our house but our roommate did he is the most fearful of all of us we just laugh um and kind of kind of brush it off but at the same time we couldn't really explain why all the cabinets were open can i just one, one second here. Can I just say, if you're a science person, you shouldn't believe in ghosts because they're kind of preposterous in the world of science. Let's say that's your quote-unquote science person. And if, But if you're a religious person, you shouldn't believe in ghosts for the same reason, like, it's it's blasphemy. It's, bu- it's bullshit. In your world, if you're pretty much of any religion, the, the idea, the concept of spooky Hollywood ghosts or anything that we perceive of is absolutely, like... So what kind of college were they going to? So, and here's the other thing. I feel like if I was pro-science and you or anybody else that I know came to me and said, hey, I do have a history of sleepwalking, but this isn't like anything I've ever done. Yeah. I would say, okay, look, I believe both of those statements, but then that means that maybe you should go get a new neurological test done or something. You need to go get a new sleep study done, something, because maybe... If I do believe in science and I really do believe that it's my sleepwalking friend, then but I, care I about also, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but I also believe that it's not like their other sleepwalking experiences, then my gut would say that we need to go to the hospital. We need to figure out what's going on. And it sounds like something has escalated and how yeah. you need a CAT scan and MRI, some shit that I an engineering student am in no situate, like in no position to be able to diagnose. Except to know, that sounds scary. Right. I'd be like, are you having a stroke? Do you smell almonds right now? Yeah, like- yeah. exactly. Burnt toast. That's so, yeah. it's funny to think about that. Yeah, if I, if I knew I had an ongoing sleepwalking problem, I would definitely want it to be like medically assessed. <laughs> Seems like a scary problem to have. Really scary. But yeah. Who could it have been? Is there somebody still in the house? So we decide to search the house. A ghost no. left Boo. and an intruder. Middle yeah. of the day. Middle of the Our You don't no flashlights to necessary. Because there's no exit points up there. For ghosts? The wall. We way down SWAT team style. So we worked our way from the third floor. These are engineering downstairs. students. Am I supposed to believe they the did anything SWAT team? Look at these guys. Crazy. SWAT team style. Come on now, I fellas. To doubt Scientifically, they believe that ghosts exist, but also don't. But are also we thinking they can't go through walls. room and closet and everything else. We get down to the basement, and on the landing of the basement, in front of us is a breaker box. There's a door to our right. And then to the left, there is, on the far side, a half bathroom. In the half bathroom, there is a cup that has a toothbrush in it. The cleaning crews for the 
apartment hadn't actually fully cleaned out the house, so we just thought that they hadn't actually gotten to that point yet. So we start to look around the basement, and there's a very dark, dank basement with lots of like debris all around the house, maybe some like tools and stuff that might have been used for like maintenance of the house. But it seemed to also be divided into rooms. There was one room to the right. We walk up to the door and try to jiggle the handle to see if we can get in because it's the last room that we wanted to clear. It was locked. So we each try our keys in the in the deadbolt that's on the door, and we can't no even boy, get no, the keys like to go this. into the deadbolt. Now you say, "Hey!" Strange, because it was the only door in the house that we didn't have access to. So when we put our ears up to the door to try to hear what was on the other side, we heard like a whirring noise, kind of Ooh. like a like a computer fan or something. And we just kind of thought to ourselves, "Well, maybe it's a maintenance room." Okay, but you still need to be able to get into it. We don't call the police because we don't see any immediate threat. I literally would have broken it down. Yeah! Right. I literally would have kicked it down. You would not have been able to keep keep me out of that. I would have been like, I guess you're keeping my security deposit. Like, there's the answer to what you're looking for. The basement shut, and we use a stool to prop it closed so that if there is somebody down there or something down there, that it's not going to get out. Two weeks later. In the first week of school, I am sitting at my desk working on some homework. And suddenly all the lights in in my room and my air conditioner just go out. I think to myself, it's probably the breaker. And I remember seeing the breaker box down in the basement. So I go down into the basement and flip the breaker. I just chalk it up to bad maintenance with the house, like how the cleaning crew didn't quite make it down to the basement. It's just, you know, probably the fact that it's an older, more worn house. The house is in poor condition when we move in. So the fact that we had electricity problems uh, wasn't surprising. My power started repeatedly going out in my room at least three to four times a week. About a month later, it's about 1 p.m. I'm again working on some homework and my power goes out. So just like normal, I go down into the basement to go flip the breaker. When I get down there though, I see that the door that was locked previously is actually open. I poke my head into the door and I see just a normal college bedroom. There's a rug on the ground, a bed set up, there's a guitar, a mirror, a dresser, just a college bedroom. And it finally solved the mystery of like, what was behind that door. As I'm looking in the room, I hear someone behind me say, oh, I was wondering when I get to meet the people that live here. My initial reaction to hearing that wasn't to immediately question it. 
because in my mind, there is that division between the second and third floor and the first floor. I just thought that him saying, I was wondering when I would get to meet the people that live here, was more that we had never really officially met our first floor neighbors, and he was just part of their lease. He introduces himself as Jeremy, and he's a student at Ohio State. He is wearing just classic college wear. He is a medium build, just a normal college kid. I think to myself, due to some of the other facets of this house, like, of course, they would put someone in that dark basement. Like, that'd be the worst room to have. We have a short conversation. We talk about the fact of him living in the basement and how awful that must be. But he says that he's normally not in the area anyway, just because he's normally staying with his girlfriend. I'm walking up the stairs. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I run into a roommate who, you know, we had been like kind of discussing the house and like how many kind of interesting things are going on in the house. And I told him, can you believe that there's a guy in the basement? I just met him. That roommate finds that really weird that there's a person in the basement. Shortly after that, I have to go off to marching band practice. And then that roommate decides to call the realty company the realty company says that no one's supposed to be in the basement. They call the cops. I come back from band practice late that day. I see everybody standing out in the yard. There's police, there's the landlord. And one of my roommates just runs up to me and says, hey dude, guess what? That room that you thought somebody might be in the basement. Uh, turns out there actually was somebody living down there. I'm shocked at this. It's not a ghost, it's a living person in our basement. I'm shocked that it's not <laughs> That's what I I'm shocked that it's a Kathy, we have the same sense of humor. I was literally just about Police to say those, that exact joke. Broke the door down. <laughs> he wasn't there, but I was able to see everything that he had in his room. Inside, they find somebody's living quarters. He, he had a bed, he had a dresser, um, a desk with, uh, you know, schoolwork and, and a desk lamp and everything you would expect to see in a, uh, in a college kid's room. The contents of the room that I had just looked in are kind of spread across the front yard. The idea that there could be someone just with such easy access to all of our stuff and all of our rooms and None of us knew that he was there because he just had such an easy way of getting in and out of the house without detection. It's kind of scary. We could have been all axe murdered. Yeah, I mean, this was probably made before that. Uh, Shortly Idaho after that, happened, too. one of my roommates had been talking with a friend of his that worked for The Lantern, which is the student run publication of Ohio State. He tells her about this story, and she's blown away by it, and she wants to do a report on it. The school does the article, and then Terrifying. the local news is suddenly interested in it. And from there, they publish a story, and 
it then goes viral and it becomes a national story. When Mark and his roommates moved into their new place off campus, it seemed just like any other college house really that dressing needed up for TV there. more work. There was mold they're college kids. That's, they probably think that's how they're going to get chicks, man. No, you're right. dirty. But after a month of living in the house chicks, off East 13th, chicks, the guy started dude. to get the feeling that something more was wrong. We had been telling everybody the story about the ghost in our house. <laughs> Oven and the microwave and all this. Stuff. We weren't too concerned about the realities of the implication at the time. So Mark and his eight housemates searched the house. Down two flights of stairs in their basement, they found a door. They tried opening it, but it was locked. Behind the locked door, there were some weird noises like dings and alarms and stuff. When their realtor finally opened the door, what they found shocked everyone. A bedroom that someone else had been living in. No, what? Like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> According to Brett, Jeremy wasn't home when the boys finally got into the room. Some random guy had a key to our house and was just living in our house without anyone knowing. The guys have changed the locks on their doors. They just feel lucky it didn't turn out worse. It is pretty awesome during my senior year to have a story like that in your back pocket that you can just like break the ice with or just tell anyone about and they instantly know who you are and what happened. You could tell anybody on campus about that story and they'd know that story. And then it made us like minor celebrities on campus that it was our house that it happened to. About a month later, I'm at a happy hour and a coworker approaches me and starts talking to me about the incident. And he starts giving me details that were never specifically mentioned in the uh, news articles, like the fact that all of those cabinets had been opened in the first place. And I ask him how he knew that. And he tells me that it's because he lived in the house the year before. Oh, wow. And he had actually kept the key from the house the year before and had intended on pranking everyone living in that house for who knows how long. And his first prank was to go into the house that night and open up all the cabinets. And ironically, this was a completely a separate time, person. I figured that it, that it was Jeremy the whole time uh, opening up the cupboards and, and going through the upstairs floors until I found out differently. It's crazy that the whole cabinet opening incident is what caused us to go down to the basement and find that room in the first place. But in the end, it wasn't actually this guy in the basement. It was someone completely unrelated to that and it's just two bizarre coincidences at the same time. This got such wide media attention that we put frogging on the map and made that a phrase that people would use. Wow, what a... I never found out how Jeremy had gotten in. He just disappeared and I, I never heard from him again. So they never found that guy. Well, yeah. I felt someone... Wow. That is... Okay, so that's a number two on the spooky. Yeah, it is. And it's also an interesting setup that it became the origin story for the term. Okay. Wow. Okay. Damn. Now, do you remember the first time you heard the term frogging? Because for me, I think it might have been like looking... Like, it might have actually... An episode of Oh uh, Yeah, Dude, they mentioned it. They I don't know if they told this story or not, but um and then 
years later, I completely forgot about looking up this show for this show. Was 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 my modern remembrance of it. Were you aware of it previous to uh, this beautiful program that is scaring the hell out of me? <laughs> oh, did I lose you? Oh, there you are. You're back. There you are. You disappeared for a second. Oh, weird. Okay. No wonder I was like, okay. Oh. Everything's back. Then. I made everything go away and then you came back. So that's what I did. All right. Anyway, I was saying you were saying, um, uh, do you remember when uh, uh, frogging uh, first hit your ears when you first became aware mm. of the term frogging? I feel like the first time I heard about frogging was when the show came out. OK, the term or the phrase itself was new to me. The yeah. concept that some human being could inflict this unspeakable terror upon you, I guess, was not foreign but I guess that was just because it was like unsolved mysteries or like, you know, first 48 or something like, yeah. you know, and now maybe, maybe not like this exactly either. Like where it's really, truly an unspeakable terror. No, it is. And I'm, re I'm ready for the more. more I hear about it. I'm ready for more. This is a, this is a fascinating uh, concept. The fact that, I mean, I'm thinking now that that man wasn't like, uh, identified or captured or whatever you would even want to do with them is mm -hmm. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. seems like there would have been a lot of evidence left, but who am I? <laughs> mm-hmm. So let me go back. Okay, so... This is going to be perfect timing as well because okay. I have to leave it half hour to okay. go get my covid booster oh nice you're like uh it's it's you yeah. and uh what's his name uh, taylor swift's boyfriend <laughs> in the commercial i love covid boosters i can't no, wait yeah, to get exactly. one no it's great i i would uh i'll get one next time i go to the pharmacy probably <laughs> is that a thing can yeah, you, can I, you I just like uh, can you just be like hey do it to me now re-up <laughs> is that a thing can you um, just no you usually uh, no, I think now you have to like set up appointments and stuff oh, unless oh, you oh. know of clinics that are doing it. I yeah, no, that. it's a whole thing. Okay. I'll, so I'm going to skip over the uh, uh, the intro. It's It's got the general creepy uh, intro. There we go. Okay. There you go. So in this particular one, yeah. So I think what made the last one creepy, right, is, yeah, they didn't know about it, but they didn't really find anything too weird in there, right? Like, he was just a guy who was squatting, and, and it seems like. And a little bit of the unsolved nature, un unfinished nature of the story adds a little bit to the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was he really but a But if they, like, or... emptied out that, yeah, if they, like, emptied that dude's room out and put all his shit on the lawn, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess the gravy train is over and not coming back here anymore. Yeah, you just... Right? Like, wouldn't you do that? Kick rocks. Yeah, you just go on somewhere else. Yeah, figure out a new place to squat. He probably dumpster dove all that shit in the first place. Definitely. Right? If you, yeah, and students do that plenty already, so, yeah. Yeah. So, NBD, right? Yeah. More shit on the curb. Right, so yeah, a crazy story. 
and that's but no harm no foul right these dudes seem to not take it too seriously they were like we used it to pick up chicks at bars man that's literally what they said yeah so (laughs) maybe they win so let's crank the uh terrifying scale yes let's let's not go to four but let's let's crank it up one more notch how about that let's do it we had a frogger in our house X under the bed. Oh God! As if an X in the bed isn't enough. I stop her with an order of protection, and he broke three times already. Waka waka. Kathy, you are the uh, reality issues comedian of the week. Thank you. In 2016, I'm living in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, about 20 minutes north of Nashville. This lady's cool. I work as a floral designer. I also hold yoga classes. I've lived in this house for 27 years. It's an older neighborhood. My home was built in the early 60s. I live in a split-level ranch. It's about a half a mile off the road. I'm up on a hill. I enter the doors that we call the flower shop room because I work from home. There's a door leading off to the right that has a large bedroom there, about 600 square feet with eight-foot windows. And then you can go upstairs to the kitchen. Uh, Walking through the kitchen, there's three full bedrooms and one and a half baths. I've raised seven beautiful kids in this great house, four boys, three girls. We were homeschooled, so we were all there all the time. There's big woods in the back, and so we built lots of little secret clubhouses in the woods, and there's a big creek going through it, so we're always catching crawdads and just running wild in the woods. Super fun. It was great raising them all there, but I've really enjoyed living in this big house by myself, having my floral business and the art and yoga that I do here. When the kids moved out, yes, I did start branching out and start dating. It's terrifying to begin to date for the first time in your adult life, because I spent all those years raising kids, but it's exciting. I started dating Tony the first week of May, 2014. Tony and I met on an online dating site, and he was absolutely charming. And it was fireworks in the beginning. It was great. He's handsome, um, very intelligent. He's a uh, master electrician. Uh, who's very adventurous. And I had always had a great fear of heights. I'd never ridden a roller coaster. This woman, she doesn't want to get on a ladder. But with Tony, I went skydiving. It was fun to see her become more adventurous and try new things because she trusted him. He's a really cool dude. So about six months into the relationship, he told me, he said, you know, I know we're really falling in love. He said, but there's something I need to tell you. And I was like, oh, no. And he said, well, some years ago, I got into kind of a bra in a bar and things got out of hand and me and this other dude were fighting over a woman he said and i was arrested and i served time for it and he was very remorseful he said it's not something that had ever happened before and i took the whole thing as you know what we all make mistakes i just i let it go we were very in love. Narrator. So we decided to live she together not after about a year go. and a half of dating. Yeah. And that brings us yeah. to about Christmas, December 2015. 
And there was a beautiful treasure hunt on Christmas Day for my gift. And when you followed the clue, there was a piece of jewelry at the end of each clue until it came to a large carrot and a half solitaire, which was really beautiful. And he came over and he actually got on his knees and proposed. I didn't really say yes, because I said I wasn't gonna get married, but I'd wear the ring. The thing was, it was a commitment. I was looking for a companion. After that, things began to change. We didn't have any incidences, but he wasn't his happy, happy, cheerful self. Things were fine, it's just, it was a little bit colder than normal, you know, but that happens, so time went on. And then I was like, mm, the energy is changing, something's wrong, and a friend of mine knew that Yoga I was lady, normal, bubbly, right? bubbly, mm. and <laughs> asked me what was up. She said, it's the boyfriend, isn't it? I'm cracking yeah, jokes, but I think she's boyfriend. a badass, and she you will said, well, see exactly it? why. That I don't know. I could just no, she seems like an interesting person. And the feeling was getting really stronger. So my friend, who uh, did background checks for a living, said, hey, girl, you need to take $2 and go to the city where you used to live. And from there, you'll get a police report. And if anything's going on, it's going to be your first clue of where he's at. So I did that. I went to the sheriff's department. And then when I got there, they said there was more than one. How much cash did I bring? Because there were several reports, and they're $2 each. A really nice deputy sheriff walked up, and he said, you look unfamiliar with those. I said, I am. I've never read one before. And he said, I thought. He goes, I can help you with that. So he started reading these uh, reports, and he said, there's a lot more to this than you realize, because on this judgment he has an inmate number he went you don't know what this is about do you and i was like no sir i don't he said just take a breath you got something going on here he had been charged with attempted manslaughter and this was a woman there was no dude it wasn't a man there was a woman that he actually boot-stomped a woman's face. And I was absolutely horrified. I was really pretty in shock, because I didn't see any of this coming. So I continued to look for police reports, and it took me almost a week I found out that he was out of prison for six months from that assault when he met me. I was terrified because of the contrast. His actions were loving, sweet, calm, peaceful. He went to yoga with me and did the meditations. It was beautiful. And then I find out that he had a trail of charges in the state of Tennessee. I was like, oh no, I didn't know this person. Because people don't live in that type of a contrast, not in a healthy state. So all of this was quite a surprise to us. We didn't know anything was going on. She kept it to herself. I don't think she wanted to worry us because there's seven kids. It's, we were very involved in each other's lives. Everything seemed very chill because he was very calm all the time. He never yelled, he wasn't angry. So it was quite a surprise and caught us all off guard. So I knew I was in trouble with this guy living in my house. So I went home and I pulled up and he said, what are you doing home? 
No. Because it was my time of day for me to be well, home, but I take off work to go on my trail of finding documents, the sheriff's departments. So I said, hey, I have some information that doesn't settle with me. I said, you told me you got in a fight with a man. I said, you know, I don't want to go into the story. What I want you to understand is I am not comfortable with someone living in my house, let alone being my partner with this type of past. I said, I can't, you lied about it, you know, and you need to leave. And I'll never forget, he was at the top of the driveway and he was cutting a piece of plywood with a uh, electric saw, the skill saw. And he stopped running the saw and he looked up at me and it was a look I'd never seen in his face before and he was so dark. His eyes were dark and slanted and he looked at me and he turned his head up. He said, I could kill you right now. Damn. And I was like, oh wow, we are on. It was like this whole other entity was embodying him. So I called 911. So he was really upset about that. And he drove off. So to find out that information and then him to full on verbally threaten me, I was afraid. The police got there. They took me downtown uh, to file for an order of protection. That's how that goes. And it was granted on the spot. So two days later, that's when it all started. He entered the house. And I knew he had entered the house because I had an African mutated water frog that was 20 years old, and he killed my frog. It was very unsettling, and that's when it all started. I woke up the next morning, and I always go out on the back porch and have tea in the morning, do a little meditation, a little yoga. And there was a gift and a note on my table, and the gift was a, a threshold plate for a door. We were redoing some doors at the house. And he left that on the table with a note that said, I bought this because I wanted you to have it. Let's work this out. So I called 911, and they came. And I told the officer that I had been granted a order of protection. And then the officer looked at me, and he said, you know, I'm not going to call this in. I'm not going to allow you on a whim of a note that we don't know who wrote the ability to ruin this man's life. Can you imagine? And then I would probably kill whoever said that to me. <laughs> all the windows, all the doors, everything was locked down. The evening of the third day, I had gone asleep sitting on my living room couch, and I was sitting there, and I felt someone staring at me, and I turned my head towards the window and opened my eyes. And there he was staring at me. He said, you don't want to do this. You're making a big mistake. We can work this out without the police being involved. So I called 911 again. They come out and take a report. So then the next day I'm working on the flower shop and I heard something and I looked out and Tony was in the front hedge. He was running across the yard and took a right to go back up into the woods. So of course I called 911 again. So my friend who suggested the sheriff's department called me up and she said, Vicki, she said, you know, I know that you're nonviolent. I know that you don't want any harm. She said, but this is going to get you killed. This is not going away. She goes, you need to come out. I have a registered gun that I can loan you to protect yourself with. And I said, I'll be there tomorrow. So I went to see my friend. 
Good and friend. I took this little 45 yeah. on home with me. We grew up with guns in the we house. We live in America. Might as well take WD. advantage yeah. of the opportunities yeah. presented to us. So we knew what a gun looked like. We knew it was serious. We knew that if you had a gun in your hand, that it was to protect yourself. So I'm very glad that she had the gun. Good kids. The day that I mm -hmm. got that gun, I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up and he had his face pressed up against the glass. And because I like at this point, this isn't just like a random threat. Yeah, I told this him, is I have a, a gun. He's ongoing here on thing. And he ran off. I called a locksmith again and he told me, he said, look, you need an alarm system because these guys got to be caught. No one can catch him. So I took his advice and I called uh, an alarm system company. They said they'd be there the next morning at 8 a.m. So I, uh, my youngest daughter came over. She knew I was really nervous. I couldn't sleep in the house that night. I didn't want him coming in and her being there and her see what was going to happen or be a victim to something. So we went and stayed with a friend of hers. And the plan was to be at the house at 8 a.m. the next morning for installation. In 2016, I am installing security systems in commercial and residential homes. Okay, this gets nuts. Usually on a normal call, it's a very simple right. process. You walk in, meet the customer, hang the stuff up, and, and get out of there. This was not one of those calls. Okay, he's preparing so, us for some... Parking outside yeah. the home, and she kind of explains to me why I'm there. As I survey the home, I can tell it's a larger home. Uh, oh, the exterior looks different. They just showed some real pictures. Of it. it looks different than I imagine. I told the guy, I said, I'm going to take her to work. Um, and I can't be inside somebody's home if they're not there. So I leave to go get some breakfast as she takes her, her daughter to work. So we both drove off. And we said that we would communicate on the way back. So we would re return at the same time because he was on a schedule. And when I came back, he had left his notebooks and a programming information about the alarm system upstairs in the kitchen. That information was at the bottom of the driveway. Now, this driveway is almost a half a mile long. As I'm eating breakfast, I get a call from Miss Martin. She's very upset and wanting me to come back to the home immediately. I pull up to Miss Martin's house. She meets me at the end of the driveway uh, asking me if I did this. I asked him, I said, look, I've got 911 on the line. Did you leave these? Uh, my answer was, no, ma'am. Uh, I knew that I didn't do that because I'd left it inside of her kitchen. So I told her what was going on, and so she advised me to stay away from the house and that they would call units. And two police officers pulled up. Asked us a lot of questions. If I've seen any kind of forced entry, if I've seen anybody in the home. Uh, they entered the house, and then they left. So next I go back to work getting Miss Martin protected. And I, I had a chair that I would sit in and on the ottoman in front of that I put my laptop and to my right was my bedside table. I had my cell phone charger there. And I called my friend and I said, he's in the house and the police have been here. And they said, he's not here, but I have feeling and I know it's going down today. It sounds like you're calling to tell me goodbye. And I said, you know, I kind of feel like I am. I just want you to know I love you. And kiss the kids. And so we got off the phone, and I set my phone down on my bedside table with the phone charger in it. Because that phone was my lifeline, because this was day nine, and I was using it all day to call 
the police, and I kept up with that phone. So I set it down, and the alarm installation guy came in, and he said, Miss Martin, I'm done here, and this is the part where we install the app to your telephone. So I asked her to go get her phone. So I reached over to grab my phone, and the phone was gone. Okay. Okay, first, so, a lot of Brian, thoughts. what would you do in this situation? I would leave the house immediately, um, taking my gun and my um, freshly shaved security man outside, and then wait for the police to arrive. Probably standing with the gun pointed at the front door. I would, I would, that's probably what I would do, waiting for the person to come out or leave out the back. Um, but the truth is, realistically, um, here in the state of Florida, were the scenario to occur, I probably would have legally murdered this person already. So, <laughs> literally. I would, take advantage, okay, I would take advantage of our existing laws and legally murder someone. Thank you. <laughs> I used to carry a concealed weapons permit expressly for that purpose, and now we don't even have to in this state. So how about that? <laughs> how about that? Uh, America. Yeah. <laughs> If my landline is always forwarded to my cell phone for business. And I just realized in that moment that it hadn't rang all day. So I made the phone call. The phone goes straight to voicemail. So I knew he had disabled my landline. At this point, Miss Martin starts to hyperventilate. I said, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper, she's on like a first name basis with this guy. Like she's in the, oh my God, yes. Where's the movie? Where's the movie? Yeah. And I grabbed the revolver. Yes, he revolver. Yes, we're gonna smoke this dude. In here, and then pulls out a gun. So look at the ADT guy. The, gun, <laughs> the AT guy's like, "Fuck!" So at this point, I <laughs> this is the wrong job. I'm he's done. My favorite. He's my favorite guy in this story. Okay. He looks scared recounting it. I've got this gun, and I re-entered my bedroom. I knew he was in there. I could feel him. I felt like I could almost smell him because the feeling was so intense. Maybe you could. And I looked at the foot of the bed, and I pulled the bed skirt up, and I leaned down, and I saw him. And that's when and you empty the magazine into the person under the bed. bed. Give me my phone. And he didn't let go of the phone. And I leaned down with that revolver. Give me my phone. After I searched the upstairs of the home and realized that there's no forced entry, I haven't seen anything at this point. Okay, but he is in. just a man. He's not qualified. He's not. I walk into the bedroom. I see Miss Martin. She's holding the gun, pointing at the bed, and I don't see anyone. I asked Miss Martin, "Did you just shoot that gun?" And she says, "He's under the bed. He's under the bed." Next, I asked for Miss Martin to hand me the pistol. Once again, she just says, a man. Oh no, no! And fires another shot at the ground. But I didn't hit him. I hit the baseboard again. I knew what I was doing. Yeah, he's just—he's just the guy who's stalling the alarm. Yeah, he's just a, a person. Bathroom, just thinking. I don't know if there's somebody under the bed or if Miss Martin is just having a mental break. He still didn't I mean, give me the phone. And I said, "Give me my phone now." I shot it again. I shot him in the left foot. I said, "I'm not kidding. Give me the phone." And he screamed, Vic, I'm hit, I'm hit. And then I shot that gun at the baseboard. I told him, I said, don't ever say my name again. Uh, then I hear Miss Martin say, I've got one more bullet of this gun, and it's got your name on it. And he threw that phone out, because he heard that in my voice. I was 
really serious. Yeah, she's badass. I'm on the phone and I tell 911 the location, where we're at. So I go outside and meet the police at the end. This of guy the is clearly like having, he is beyond like in a world of his own creation because he just got shot in the foot and still held on to the phone. He's like, holding Gunter under my bed. I've shot him. And they said, we know. And he said, Miss Martin, go outside. And I said, oh, I will not go outside. Yeah. You can't catch him. And this is where it ends. Yeah. So about they five can't command her to like leave. As well as a medical unit. I'm relieved to see the police, but at the same time, I'm worried for Miss Martin still inside the home. Police go into <laughs> With a loaded handgun about to kill someone. And then all of a sudden, I heard a voice. And it said, drop the gun. And I said, I will not drop this gun. And the officer repeated himself. He said, I'm only going to say this one more time. Drop the gun. Yeah, like the correct like, gun person wow. is here now. Well, I said and he has his own gun. Quick. Yeah, uh, she's like, room. okay, now I put They it. handcuffed me. <laughs> and then they took me up the stairs. As they were beginning to take me Which up the stairs. Which is standard procedure. They dragged him yeah. from under the bed. It takes about five to ten minutes, um, and then someone comes out on the stretcher, and it's not Miss Martin. I just see a very large man with blood coming from his ankle. Oh my gosh, there was somebody there the whole time. I searched the entire house except for the one place he was, which is the same room I had been working in the whole time. So I saw them take him out from under the bed and, and take him out of the house, and, that, and at that point they took me upstairs, and they set me at my kitchen table. I started to go into shock. Yeah. And I saw two officers that I recognized. They came in, and uh, one told them to get the handcuffs off of me now. And the other female officer walked up, and she said, Vicki, Tony was arrested. And she looked at me. She said, Vicki, look at me. She goes, you're going into shock. And I looked at her. I said, please don't let that happen. And she took me through this breath pattern. And then my eyes started to regulate again. And the brain started to calm down, and I could breathe. This whole experience uh, is just. First <laughs> He's off, like, so basically, my first day at camp. Strong, strong woman yes. uh, who had all odds against her, nobody believing her, and still persevered. She stood up for herself and defended herself and took all the proper steps that she needed to. And, and still showed her. restraint and not murdering someone she Very definitely could. Could you imagine? Incredible. No, I, I don't know if I can. I no. for the best at the moment. I think I would have just smoked it. We never and found out away. how it was. I absolutely would have closed the book. <laughs> Said this guy doesn't deserve to live, and I had everyone agree with me. Don't know. Triple and tapped and then gone yeah. up and done two in yeah. the forehead. No, totally. I would have bam, like bam, absolutely no. destroyed that man's yeah. body with bullets. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, no doubt. It's garbage on the floor. There's no open casket. I opened up my own studio. And I opened up a teacher training school. So it can be really sweet on the other side. Look at how positive this woman is. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Brian. So that was. Uh, I've been watching these wild. episodes in broad daylight and I am terrified. And no, then, I, I have been scare, scary spooked <laughs> out this whole time. It's really true. I hope. So. Tyler season. came home the other day when I was watching it, and I was literally on the edge of my of the couch, like literally, like oh my god, like I was like, Kathy, there's no way I. Like, What's wrong? I was like, oh my god. I have to be honest. The whole time that we've mentioned this show and whatever, it I knew they was gonna spook me out. I didn't know it was gonna spook me out quite this much. And this oh is in god. daylight, and I'm watching it with you. So like, 
It's still and this is the spooky. one that I only took up to number three, right? There's even <sighs> the one that okay. I have that I believe has been the spookiest. Okay. Please, I, I have all all the ready? time you want to give me. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because this will be the last one. Okay, because perfect. then it's like. No, it's really going to be perfect. It's really, okay. truly going to be perfect. Everyone home, I just want to see the thing. Yeah, it's still rolling. Okay. <sighs> okay. Is, is... I'm, so, I'm still feeling like the spooky feeling after, after that one. Man. Cause, so this is how it starts. This is the first episode. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, that's that's the same way that uh, Catfish starts. It's not like I was acting like a crazy person, but then there's like a towel set out with knives on it. He wanted to perform surgeries on what? my wife. <laughs> Things that you would see in scary movies. I think that I'm on the verge of a complete mental breakdown. I saw uh, something. I'm halfway forget. there watching this. Hold the up. intro. We are not alone. Wow. There's literally a man living in your closet. That man found hiding ah. between a family. Oh, I don't like the thought of that. Man slithers out from under home. Slithers. Your crawl spaces are locked. He's the snakeman. Vulnerable, naked, and someone is in my house. There was somebody. The snakeman is coming to get you. One of in my head. He's slithering around. You came into my house. You invaded my privacy. No. He's getting, he's wait, he waits for the snake signal to to come out. <laughs> oh my God. It actually turns out that I wasn't going crazy. Hey, I like that feeling. What was happening was way worse. Oh, the Hawaii. Surgeon. Yeah. The, the... I like they have like mystery novel names. <laughs> in 2019, I'm living in Honolulu, Hawaii with my wife and two children. Frogging survivor. Okay. When we'd gotten to Hawaii, we were newlyweds. We had just gotten married in 2018. We went and did the whole Las Vegas thing and had Elvis marry us in the pink Cadillac. Were you it was in a the ton military? of fun. I've known James since we were in high school. We dated for a little bit right after high school, and then we reconnected. James and I are kind of a strange juxtaposition. I do tend to be more outgoing and bubbly and kind of a little bit more crazy. James is a lot more analytical. And I love describing myself as crazy. I feel like we even each other out But really she's well. crazy like that yeah. chick with the chips on Actually, her head. Was a single I love her. She's so crazy. <laughs> it made me feel really excited in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it was really scary because I had just become a mom for the first time. I had just gotten married. I was in a totally new place. And then also just learning about all my new surroundings. It took a while for me to find my footing. She had really stepped up and become a stepmom to- Okay, that's what that dialogue was indicating to me, okay. She really became mom for them. It was okay. great to move to Hawaii. It was a big adjustment, but we really liked the environment. We brought our cat from the mainland, but we had just gotten a new dog that we'd purchased in Hawaii. A lion dog. Which is scary to think that they weren't saved even by having a dog. Oh. 
more on that in a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our new neighborhood wasn't exactly what you would think of when you think of, you know, living in Hawaii. It was actually very normal. It's like something you'd see on the mainland. Oh, yeah, they show that in Hawaii 5 It was totally just your typical suburban community. Yeah, it's, it's where the main characters live. In the... It was a safe neighborhood in Honolulu. We lived on a cul-de-sac. It was a two-story house. As you walk through the front door of the home, immediately in the family room, which had vaulted ceilings, you could see upstairs to the banisters. If you walked further towards the stairs I never to want to right, live in a home... And a small dining no, room so. with a sliding Multiple glass floors. door that went to the backyard. One floor's fine. As you go up the stairs, there was a hallway, and our son's bedroom was off to the left, and our master to the right. There was one bathroom upstairs. Above the bathroom, there's a crawl space attic. Nope, Ooh. nope, nope, nope. You know what? There is a crawl... <laughs> exactly. Nope. Inspect your crawl spaces. Seal them up forever. You don't need them. And I see all of our packed boxes in the garage, but they were opened, and there would be things pulled out of them that had previously been packed away in the box. Ooh. No. A lot of my music gear had been shifted around. Just really weird. One thing that I did almost every day when I was getting ready is I would sit and watch makeup tutorials. One day I was upstairs doing my makeup, watching my makeup tutorials. I'd hear the front door slam out of nowhere. I don't like this. I don't like this either, but I do like her um, uh, talking about makeup tutorials. Shut, open YouTube's and number five category. I asked Reality James, TV. hey, did you yeah, leave the door? Like, did you remember to lock the door before we went up to bed? And I said, yes, I'd just done it. I had just come upstairs from locking the doors and making sure everything was okay downstairs. And I thought, to be honest, that she was being paranoid. So I was getting a little frustrated with her. There's no noises downstairs. There's nothing going on. She got frustrated with me and went downstairs and checked to see if I had locked the doors. course they're unlocked so we we got in a little bit of an argument about that uh-huh uh got in a little argument about that i'm like okay like why would my husband lie to me about locking the door like why like why would he say that he did when he didn't or I would think, is one of the boys trying to sneak out at night? What is going on? And that, and see, that, that's also... a trusting person. And it started making me feel like I was being so paranoid and honestly crazy. Like, I felt like I was acting I like that. a crazy person, that. obsessing over these unlocked right, doors. What would you say is the more logical answer? And also, there. like, if you live in a house with me, kind of OCD tendencies that's and stuff, I'm always fucking I with the locks and unlock them and lock them and whatever it is I perceive necessary. And I checked, and the sliding door was unlocked. The screen had been pulled open as well. There you go. See, that's like something I would notice as well. I here. continued to be skeptical that anything could possibly be happening to the family or to the home. I thought that Brittany was maybe just on edge about something, maybe because it was a new environment. James and I start having arguments over 
the door being unlocked, but it became an actual issue and it was like this fixation for me. But I definitely continued to be dismissive. Yeah, it's, it's natural. This is all... So at this point, I think yeah. that I'm on the verge of a complete mental breakdown. I'm just like, wow, I've taken on way too much. The stress is completely getting to me. I'm imagining things. I'm starting to be paranoid about all kinds of weird stuff. I'm just not acting like myself at all. One day I was downstairs playing worse piano. Worse. Two weeks have passed of her feeling insane. While I'm playing piano, there was just a shadow of a person. Maybe listening to me play piano. I got up and they had walked away. I was a little bit weirded out by it. Thought it was just somebody being nosy. Okay, no one in the history of time has ever yeah. just been nosy. One day, I'm just at home with the boys, and I look at the desk calendar, and something's written on there. Your rehabilitation starts today. Do as I did. Choose a house. Clean it. Set up devices. I had no idea what this was referring to. I had assumed maybe Brittany had written it and that this it was crazy. just some sort of inspirational thing and also she wanted it me to, to clean me, the, the house. Exact same, the exact I just started to clean up a little bit around the house. Okay. I thought that that's what she wanted me to do and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I could probably clean up this a little bit. This is crazy. One night we were going to see a movie and there was a blanket that I had that sat on my couch that... My You're going to watch a movie. Okay. While we were watching a movie. And I thought, oh, I want to take that blanket with me. That'll be like super nice to watch the movie with. And, you know, I go downstairs to the couch. It's gone. The blanket's not there. Uh... Brittany asks if I was using the blanket. I tell her no. We ask the kids if they had seen the blanket or had been using it. They insist no. And I would think that they just didn't want to go back upstairs to go grab the blanket. So I'd be like, okay come on guys, like just go get it. And they would insist, no, we don't have it. It turned into a big argument and it was just over a dumb blanket, but it was gone. And we ended up leaving the house. What? You got so mad you just left? We walk through the front door and the blanket no, they all is there. Oh, okay, okay. And they all came back. The blanket is put back, folded nicely. And that was the first time James admitted that something strange was going on. He can't explain it either. Did the kids sneak the blanket back? It seems like a really ridiculous thing to lie about. Maybe they're moving the blanket and lying about it because they think they're going to be in trouble. I feel relieved. I feel vindicated. I'm not going completely crazy. One night, I remember looking at my computer and noticing that my webcam light was on in the middle of the night. This is why and you always keep your laptop no closed. Why it would do that. Or the little you hear about people on the thing watching you on your webcam uh, or whatever. Yeah, some of them do have that flap. There was no reason for anybody to be watching me that I could think of. In September 2019, Brittany, the boys, and I flew back to the mainland to visit family for about a week. We end up taking an earlier flight back. 
We finally land in Honolulu. We go, we get to our car. Our home was not too far from the airport, so it took us just a short time to get back home. Uh, As we pull into the driveway... <laughs> if you live I in Hawaii, no offense, you're never far from the airport. It's not that big. She asked if I was riding my bike before we left. I tell her no, and we notice something is just off. We tell the kids to wait in the car. We go to the garage. Opened up the garage and I saw that it had just been completely trashed. Actual video. Oh yeah. I see boxes from when we moved that have just been opened, torn apart, and there's just all of our items are just thrown everywhere and kind of into piles. Everything's just on top of each other. And at that moment, I'm thinking, we got robbed. I grabbed a sledgehammer. I'm concerned for the safety of my family. So I start to walk towards the front door of the house. I slide the key in, unlock it, start to push it open, and it's met with some resistance. He pushes the door really hard, and it opens a crack. We can see a person inside our house. There's a man peeking through the door. He's trying to hold it shut, and the man says, this is not your house, just very calmly. This is not your house, you've got the wrong house, and I'm just floored. And I'm screaming at the person, let That's us where you point the gun home. in the front door and shoot the person and in the face. I call 911. <laughs> she tells them there's a man in our house. We don't know who he is or why he's here. I start cursing and yelling back at him, get out of my house. I push the door open. My husband is able to pull the person out into the front yard. Who in the who has demonstrated is wearing just we shorts? Wearing my clothes. Video. Things are just getting crazier by. Oh the my God, though his shorts. I'm telling him that if he doesn't listen to me, I'm taking this as a threat. I'm trying to ask him, well, what are you doing here? And he's kind of just contending, I just didn't have anywhere to go. So I'm thinking, well, this is just a homeless guy. Just? He needed a place to stay. Yeah, Does this happen young. frequently that you're aware of? I don't know. I'm also thinking, I can't bludgeon a man to death in front of my kids. Yeah, so probably not also legally sanctioned. Probably actually. Well, I mean, I, wife, under the right circumstances, oh yeah, completely. Learned about our cat who was in the house. Oh. He says, don't worry, I took care of your cat. I fed him, he's inside. So I'm out on the lawn staring down this guy and Brittany runs into the house to check on the cat. The first thing that I notice is our living room. And it's really bizarre. It's almost like he had it set up like he was doing an inventory of everything that was in our home. My husband has a lot of musical equipment, and it was all kind of sitting out, almost like it was on display at a garage sale. So I go into the kitchen, and my cat, Mr. Franklin, he's okay. in a cage. My heart did just lift right? a little bit, yeah. had no water. The man had been trying to feed him dried apricots. I look at him, make sure that he's okay. 
I go back outside. He was very calm. He just kind of stood there. As soon as the police arrive, I just start pointing at him. Hey, I don't know this guy. I don't know why he's here. Boo, the police. Extrajudicial execution. Come on. <laughs> casual conversation with the police and walked away with them. It was really as if this person didn't think that he was doing anything out of <laughs> These two episodes are out for blood because it's spooky season. They put him in handcuffs, he doesn't resist, and they put him in the cop car. At this point, we're gonna, still in shock, yeah. but we're thinking this must have just been a robbery or a simple... Right, it only a, happened that weekend or whatever while you were gone. Everything is just trashed. My keyboard was now sitting on the couch for some reason. Oh, There's wow. Look at this video. Just piled Every on surface top of is covered. One of the things that seemed really odd is the boy's bedroom. He had actually done all of their laundry and made their beds, and it was immaculate. Like, the entire house was in complete shambles. But for some reason, our boy's bedroom, was it was almost like a sacred space. It was extremely neat and tidy and pristine. Ma'am. And wow. our bedroom, no, everything right. no. is in a huge disarray. But then there's like a towel set out with knives on it. And then next to the knives, there's our computers. It was an old computer that we didn't use anymore. Something told me to, you know, go ahead and look at it. So I start pressing buttons and the screen comes on. There's a text document. Oh, I didn't expect this at all. There are all of these type That's why notes it's a four. called the Omnivore Trials of Rehabilitation for Rat-like People. It's like a journal that this person had been keeping. The journal has entries about us. They're like observations about our family. He has profiles about us. There's intimate details that he knows about us that's written down. There were some things in the writing that detailed some very personal information and some things that he could have only known if he was listening in on our private conversations. He somehow knew that my husband and I were trying to have a baby. And he wrote that I should give up on trying to have a baby and focus on the children that I have. And he knew, like, we hadn't even told family that we were trying to have a baby. This person had obviously somehow been privy to very private conversations. Now it's gone from trashing the house to somebody's been stalking us. Somebody's been listening in on our private conversations. And it becomes apparent to me that this person was not just a random person. This person had been watching us. planned to perform various surgeries on us. You heard that right. These writings were suggesting that surgical procedures should be performed on my wife and my children. It mentions like how he's gonna go about doing it and drugging our family. And we found these serums that are labeled to use on the omnivores. So he detailed us as being a species that he called omnivores. 
He had looked at websites trying to buy surgical tables. He had looked up how to perform specific surgeries. And he had been looking up videos on how to surgically remove an arm. He looked up how to do gender reassignment surgery. Everything that he had written about wanting to do in his plans, he had researched ways to implement these plans that he had. He had actually had an agenda and there was a reason that he was in our home specifically. So in addition to the computer that had the notes on them, there was my computer that I used that would sit on my makeup desk. I started looking through that computer as well and I found a video file on it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. Um, I'm actually doing this video to show some, uh, some ways that you can change your outer appearance. This is day two of the trials that I've been working on. Uh, this one is just called Cosmetology. It kind of hurts a little, but they believe beauty hurts. Anyways. Watching the video, the way that he was talking in it, it seemed like he was talking directly to me and mocking me, to be honest. He begins by drawing a line, and it's supposed to demonstrate some kind of spiritual transformation. It was a makeup tutorial of sorts. Okay, boom, chocolate. How does it look? But with a really bizarre kind of twist on it. Show me what you can do yourself later. Excuse me. This guy had been sitting naked in my chair. That's disgusting. Hold on. I just felt terror. That was pretty much the only way I can describe it. It was just a sense of just complete terror. A bunch of different things kind of flooded back to my mind. Looking at my computer, noticing that my webcam light was on. My mind began to go all kinds of places, wondering how long was this person watching us? It kind of started making a lot of things make sense. So all those things that were happening, the blankets, unlocked doors, noises in the house, they all add up to making sense. The suspect was charged with felony burglary and within days he was granted supervised release. He's released out in the public. At this point, I got really upset because I felt like our family was in danger. But it wasn't long before he ended up burglarizing the Buddhist center and was arrested again, and they revoked his supervised release. So he remains in jail during his psychological evaluation, and we're told he allegedly murders his cellmate. Holy shit. This is an incident that's really affected us psychologically as a family. It's uprooted our entire lives. We've since moved from Hawaii. Almost every aspect of our life has been touched by this. Recovering from this has been really difficult. There's not exactly like a support group for 
people who've been victims of a psychopath well, that stalks them, breaks into their home, and plots to perform surgery on them. No. There's not even a single part of me would have thought, hey, there's a guy maybe up in our attic uh, writing a medical manifesto who wants to transform my family to species that he called omnivores. Who would think that? I never thought that's where this was going where it started. I'm grateful that nothing serious physically happened to my wife Brittany and our two boys. We were very lucky that we came home when we did. If it had been at nighttime or if the boys yeah, had don't gone think into about the, the what ifs, dude. Who knows what could have happened? And there were just so many things that could have happened that didn't. And that don't think about that either. And don't think about the things that happen you don't know about. Don't think about that either. It's a complete violation. I felt like nothing in my space was sacred or mine anymore. And you realize that there's been a stranger in your home and not just a stranger, but a stranger who had sinister plans for you. Well, that's easily the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Wow, that is... Wow. Well, my dog so Brian... thinks it's the end of episode two. Yes, so, Brian, I gotta go get a COVID vaccine, but I'm gonna leave you with a song. When the call is over, mm -hmm. hang it up. The computer will shut off. Okay. And you're gonna love this song. It's a very appropriate song. Okay. I'm ready. Ooh, ooh, ain't got no home. I know later on. Ain't got no home. I know episode two, season six, episode seven of reality. I'm
Apologies. Hey, everyone. Goodbye. Is my we'll be story back next week. Inside, this is auto playing, but I'm. It's about a <laughs> this is just Kathy's computer, but. I'm gonna. She took my love. Fade out here. Then ran with every single guy in town. Away from a run around sewer.